Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Rahat and you're listening to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. So in today's episode, we'll be addressing a few common clashes between teenagers and parents. For example, do you remember the time when you were worried about your teen's grades, which were consistently low, and you tried telling him that these kind of grades aren't going to get him a co- good college, but all of that fell on deaf ears? Or maybe the time when you already had a word with him about not buying the new PlayStation, but he's again pestering you for it. Was it something inherent in your teenager that he may have forgotten about the entire incident, the 20-minute convo you had with him? Or was it just your teen being persistent to get what he wants? We'll be discussing all of that and trying to find out, are teens inherently wired to taking risks and troubling us? And try to understand the common preconceived notion, long-held notion, that teens are so reckless and they're so emotional. Why do they act like the way they do, in spite of knowing what's right and wrong? So, see you on the other side. I had a parent come to me, saying her teen would forget things all the time. For example, every week on Thursday, there was sports day and her boy was supposed to carry the sports equipment. The thing is, he forgot about it every week and he would call his mom and ask her to rush with all the equipment. And she did so for weeks. He would never remember until one day when she didn't get the sports equipment and he was yelled at by the coach and he was made to sit out from the team. And that's the time after which he never forgot his equipment. Another same incident happened with another parent and uh, she said that her children's tests are due tomorrow and the child is remembering about it only in the night at 8 p.m. and then saying, mom, I need your help. I've totally forgotten about this test that I have. There are innumerable incidents like this where teens are failing at things that involve scheduling or uh, things that involve something in the past like I said about the discussion that you had with your teen. So I've had troubled parents come to me saying, how do we teach our teenager to remember things, to not forget? But what we need to understand here is that we don't have to teach our child about that. We have to help him understand that, yes, there is a little physiological cause that is behind this kind of a behavior and many others that we'll be discussing. So, uh, before we dive into what this behavior stands for, I'll tell you a bit about the teen brain and how it's different from the adult brain. So, it's not going to be a science class. Uh, There's just two major differences in a teen brain. And in a one-line explanation, your teen's brain is under construction. And this doesn't complete until your uh, child has turned 25 to 27 years of age. That's mid of adulthood. So now there are two main key parts of the human brain that are of interest to us parents. Number one is the prefrontal cortex. Now this is the part of the brain, we'll call it the forebrain, that is present behind the forehead, right behind the forehead. Now this part is responsible for planning, scheduling, Uh, risk-taking behaviors, impulse control. Uh, This part is the one that is responsible for all higher executive functions. Another thing is that this is the one which is still under construction and wouldn't develop until 25-27 years of age. The second part of the teen brain is the limbic system. 
Now, the limbic system is present right in the center of the brain and it has a CEO. The CEO is called amygdala. Now, this guy here develops well in time. That is when your child turns, hits puberty at 10 to 12 years of age. That's when the amygdala completely matures. The function of the amygdala is to handle all the hormones, the rage, the impulse-taking behavior, the risk-taking behavior. So we call it as the emotional center of the brain, where all of this is bred and processed. Now, what we need to understand here is that when the human brain develops completely, the prefrontal cortex keeps the amygdala or the emotional center in check so that we don't act on our emotions, on our hormones, and we think every behavior through. But what happens in a teen, there is the mismatch between the logical decision maker, that's your prefrontal cortex, and the hormone and emotion-fueled amygdala. And that's the reason why teens are hardwired to take risks, because they have no control over their impulses, their control centers are still under construction, and what takes a back seat is the prefrontal cortex. In that situation, the amygdala, when fueled with emotions, rage, or something like peer pressure, they're going to act on their behaviors, and that will result in a lot of problem for your teenagers. So what's the thing here? We understand that things are not right for our teens and we take a back seat and wait until the prefrontal cortex develops and exerts his control? Absolutely not. So now that you know the reason behind some of the common clashes that you have with your teenagers, uh, let's try to fix them. A few points to remember when you are communicating with your teenager. So number one is to remember that your teens are ruled by emotions. Remember the super strong, mature amygdala? So whenever you're having a clash with your teen, and if you're trying to rationalize with your teen in this state, remember it's useless. Instead of trying to communicate, remind yourself, this is the amygdala speaking, and wait until your teen's emotions have simmered down. That's when you'll be able to achieve a more fruitful and a productive conversation from your teen. Another uh, important thing to remember is that our teenagers uh, live in the present. The prefrontal cortex we spoke about is still maturing. Now, this little guy is responsible for planning and scheduling. So, it's essential to understand that at least some of what is going on here is a developmental thing. This will help you be more sympathetic and understand your child's uh, condition. So, for adults, a child's behavior from, say, two weeks ago is still relevant, but the teen has moved on. Two weeks ago might as well be a year ago. Likewise, when you bring up the future, uh, as in how are you going to get into a college with grades like that, it's going to fall on deaf ears. When you try to motivate a teen by referencing how their future selves can be improved, rest assured you're going to be having an eye roll or you're going to be told to back off because kids live in the present. So whenever you are uh, having a clash with your teen that is uh, having to do something with uh, how to get better in the future or you want to reference something in the past that you've spoken about, don't assume your teen is actually going to remember what all has happened. What I want you to do is repeat it if it was uh, an explanation of something that has happened in the past. If you want to motivate your child, then try to give examples of people or your own mistakes that you had committed, but then now you're in a better place. 
We got to change the way we communicate with our team if we actually want to get a point across to them. Coming to another very important point is that whenever we're conversing with our teens, we forget that what it's like to be a kid. We assume that these are little men and little women who will soon be turning into adults and they need to behave like one. That is correct to a, uh, some extent because we do need to set them up for success. But the thing here is that we should not rush them. Everyone has a process and they do have their own ways. They do learn with their own mistakes. So what we should do is give them opportunities where they can volunteer, learn through their own mistakes by, by experimenting. So I had a parent, a set of parents and they were both uh, very successful doctors and they had a son. Of course, they wanted him also to get into medicine and be like them. They wanted to prepare him. So his uh, routine, everyday schedule was completely fixed, uh, divided into his sports, his studies and then preparation for higher uh, exams. Now, the thing was, uh, they always wanted their son to be more organized and to stop procrastinating and to stick to routine schedules and fun was a no-no. One day, the child got fed up of his parents, their never-ending helpful suggestions, and he snapped. He said, you do things well for a 45-year-old. Gosh, I'm 15. The parents came to me really troubled. They didn't know how to behave uh, or react in this situation. And mother literally burst into tears. Now I'll tell you, this desire to help and fix comes from the part of a parent who wants to protect. It's absolutely right. But to a kid, it is perceived as a lack of trust or faith. So here's a thing that you can do if you're faced with a similar situation. If your teen is doing okay enough, but it isn't up to the mark that you want him to be. Or if he's doing a certain thing in a certain way, that isn't as per your instructions or the way you would have done it. Just let him be. Bonus points if you acknowledge that this approach is working for him right now. Problem number three. Whenever we converse with our teens, uh, we are met with either eye rolls or we got to talk behind doors or... There's, hmm, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, whatever. These kind of monosyllables. Now, in, in the coaching world, uh, I like to call this as communication fatigue that almost every teen suffers from. And there are many reasons to it. Uh, and the prime one is the screen environment, the digital environment that we're living in. Now, this, uh, you will notice that your teen is constantly having a screen in his hand and is doing media multitasking. Now, what the hell is this? Uh, I had a mom come up to me and say that her daughter just doesn't respond to her, let alone have a chat. What she does is, at one point of time, she'd be chatting with a few of her friends. She'd be listening to music, scrolling through Facebook posts, at the same time scolding her little brother or playing with him, doing all of this together. This is called as media multitasking. Now, how do you expect uh, someone who's so preoccupied with so many things at a single point of time to crack a productive conversation with anyone? Now, we, need, we do have a, a way around this. But for that, we need to understand that it's necessary to change the way we communicate with our teens. It's not possible to change the environment that our children are living in. Uh, if I can't tell you that just go and snatch your child's phone away, ground him for this behavior, no phone for you, no social media for you for a week, that's not going to work. What you will get in return 
is a non-receptive, rebellious teen who's now going to say, I hate you, mom. So there's a very subtle way around this. Remember that maybe we ask the wrong questions. That's why we fail to get the answers that we want. Well, there was a study conducted amongst a group of teenagers. And uh, they said that almost 78% of them said that their parents don't talk to them enough, that they don't understand them enough. And surprisingly, this was the same group of teenagers whose parents had the complaint that all of their attempts at making a communication, cracking a conversation with their teen failed miserably, that their teens just wouldn't talk. So if there are two parties who both of them need to talk, want to talk, and they're making attempts also, but then still there is no conversation struck, what is wrong here? That is the method, the way in which you're communicating with your child. That's what is wrong. So instead of teaching your child what to do and how to do it, how about we adjust our behaviors first? So here's how you can do that. Remember that you might be asking the wrong questions. For example, asking your child, if you see your child sitting and she's a bit depressed or maybe uh, not acting herself, so asking questions like, are you okay? Is something wrong? These questions are perceived by the child brain, teen brain, as a threat, as uh, insinuating, and they do not like it. Instead, I want you to converse with your teen like you do with your friend when you're talking to her on the phone. You do not interrogate. You are not judgmental. You do not have any preconceived notions or assumptions. You try to remove things out of her slowly and steadily, even if you see that your friend is sad. That's the way I want you to do. Now, you know the prime reason why your tone gets all interrogative when you are speaking with your teen and not with your friend. Number one is because you care for your child. And number two, you want to help. So in that pretext of love and the fixer mode that we parents are in all the time, we wonder, how can I help him? Maybe this is the problem? No? Okay, is that the problem? Have you had a fight? Are you having a problem in studies? So we need to change that. I know you want to show your affection and concern to your teen, but then don't let that uh, come out. Uh, there is this amazing communication technique called the side-to-side technique. Whenever you see that your teen is really troubled or uh, there is a problem, I want you to converse with him at a point when you both are busy doing some chores. What it does is it gets the pressure off from the teen. When you, faced, when you converse with your teen face-to-face, there's a lot of pressure. And now there's a perfect way to know whether your teen is comfortable having the conversation or not. Even when you're side to side, I want you to observe your child's body language. Are they squirming? Are they tapping? Or are they looking somewhere else? Are they staring at the roof? All of these signs mean that yes, there could be a problem. And second, these talks are making him uncomfortable. So at this point, I want you to abort. Because if you're uncomfortable uh, in talking about something, then you are not bound to give the right answers. You might just make up something to get away with the conversation. And we don't want that. We want to have a fruitful conversation to understand what is happening with our teen and to be able to help and support the teen. So if you see through body language cues or with the way that your child is speaking with a lot of mm, uh-huh, uh-huh, monosyllables like that so i want you to stop it and you assure your teen that it's okay it's fine if you don't want to talk about it now we can talk about it whenever you feel like what you did here is number one the child is going to understand that you respect uh, his feelings 
Uh, number two, you would have definitely got a tick in the trust check box. And that's what we want because that's going to help you a lot in the long run. And be sure next time when something goes wrong, your child is going to come to you on his own rather than you having to insinuate and find what the problem was. So that was it for today. Uh, I hope you benefited from today's episode. What we, on a quick uh, zoomed out version, what we spoke about was how to fix common clashes uh, between parents and teens. And we try to understand first as to why these things take place. So number one was always remember that your kids live in the present. So referencing something that happened in the past or expecting your teens to learn and get motivated by something of the future is going to fall on deaf ears. Number two. We saw that we might be asking the wrong questions. Uh, we need to speak to a child in a way that is not instructional, but conversational. And lastly, we spoke about how we forget it's to, what it's like to be a kid. We're constantly on the prowl for having our team completely organized, not lazy or procrastinating, stick, sticking to a schedule, being good at academics, sports, everything. Cut them some slack and remember that they're still kids. They, these are the ways in which you could support your teenager. My course, uh, the rule book for raising teenagers, it's batch two registrations have started after an overwhelming response for batch one. And you can find the links for that in the description below. The class will be held in June. We're having a five-day module where we'll be covering a lot of things from disciplining your teen without yelling to handling cyberbullying, pornography, sexting, and how to raise teens who are emotionally stable, independent, and happy adults. So you can find the link for that in the description box below. Until then, happy parenting!